turn to the scriptures, please. Turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Let's read the opening captions first of all. A psalm and song at the dedication of the house of David. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but for a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful sense of your spirit. We ask you, Lord, now to shut us in with yourself, to take your word, Lord, to inscribe it upon every heart, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Psalm 30 and verse 5 reads like this. His anger endureth but for a moment, or but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Scholars are trying to work out what David is talking about. This psalm is a psalm of praise and adoration of the Lord from the heart of David because David has come through many a trial. Many a thing has come upon David to try to to discourage David from the ways of the Lord, to try and shift David from following his God, even his own son, Absalom hunting him down and also King Saul. But God always delivered his servant. David's heart is rejoicing in this. And so he cries, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It was David's faith that looked toward the morning's joy. It was David's faith in his God. Faith looks to the morning's joy. That's our title this evening. Because it's through those times of despair and through those times of hurt, through those times of mourning and through those times of concern and through those times of heartache that our faith always looks toward the morning's joy. We know there is a future for us in God. We know he has a plan. We know he has a purpose And that morning will break someday on my horizon. And that morning will break someday on your horizon. 
and then your life and the joy of the morning break will cause you to rejoice as David has in this wonderful psalm, Psalm 30. Scholars say this is a dedication psalm for it says it in the title and that's true. Some say that, it, that David's opening comments saying a psalm and song at the dedication of the house of David means that David believed that he was to see or to show his gratitude for he would build a house of cedar for himself. David lived in the mountains and David lived in caves and David roamed the wilderness when he was hunted down by his enemies and now he sees the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. And David is rejoicing that God has been so good to him. All the times of hiding, all the times of fearfulness, a night has surely passed. In other words, a season of darkness had covered David's life. A season of darkness which David thought he would never get out of. But his faith always looked to the morning's joy. The morning's joy was when the Lord would come through and answer his prayers. The morning's joy is when the Lord breaks forth in the day and into our lives and into our hearts. And when the circumstances that are captivating us and taking us into bonds of slavery, those chains are broken and the captive is set free in Christ. We see in Christ our morning's joy. He is the bright and the morning star. He's the first beam of light. The morning star is that twinkle that comes across the land when the sun comes up. First of all, it comes across the horizon. And the very first chink, glimpse and glimmer of the sun to shoot forth over all of the earth. That bright star that comes from the sun across planet earth. Christ is that star in our hearts. He's the day star arising within us who shines the light and the brightness and the joy in all of our lives when we come to know the Lord Jesus. And when we're in circumstances and when we're going through different situations and when our hearts are aching and bleeding over our loved ones and over things that we cannot understand and we can't see a way through, Christ the day star shines bright in our hearts at the right moment, at the right day, and joy comes in the morning. He is the bright and the morning star. Here they think it's David. He's dedicating his house of cedar. Now, that was a common thing to do, to dedicate a house unto the Lord. Can I ask you something? And you are so faithful coming out this evening. Is your family, is your house dedicated unto the Lord? Is your heart dedicated unto the Lord? Do you pledge your head to heaven for the gospel? The dedication of the house, David looks also in the future. Some say it was for the building of Solomon's temple. And it would be a dedication song that would be sang there. And then further afield, many scholars say this is prophetic. 
Not only of David in his day looking forward to the great building, that edifice where God's glory would come down in the holy place. And all the splendor and the beauty of the temple in the center of Jerusalem. The place of the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, where David bought that property of land. That's where God would come, for that's where the holy place would be. And David said, let us dedicate this unto the Lord. The Lord will bless it. And when we dedicate unto the Lord, the Lord always blesses that which we dedicate unto him. Our hearts, our marriages, our lives, our families, our finance, everything that we have, dedicate it to Christ and he will bless it. Notice this. It also goes prophetic and they say it is for the setting up of the kingdom of God at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this will be a dedication as we gather around his throne and sing praise of his redeeming grace and of his redeeming love. And we will sing as the psalmist has said, O Lord, thy hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thy hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. That all of the redeemed of the Lord will stand around the throne in that day giving thanks unto God for his grace, his goodness and for his glory. And we will sing forever and serve the Lord with a heart rejoicing in the morning's glory. Faith looks to the morning's glory. There's a day coming. There's a morning coming when Christ will come. When that day star will shine and fill the skies. And those of us who are redeemed through precious blood and trusting in Christ, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we will return with our Lord as he sets up this marvelous kingdom And we will dedicate him as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords, ruling over all of the universe. And he will be in full control and authority. Here is a prophetic utterance from the Spirit as we read Psalm 30. A psalm and a song and a dedication of the house of David. Some even think the house of David was the royal family, was the royal throne of David, that royal throne that will last forever, which Christ himself will come and sit upon as we dedicate it unto him as he comes in his power and his glory. A psalm and a song at the dedication of the house of David. When David was on the run and when he was in hiding, David desired the house of God. David desired to be in Jerusalem. But David's desire was not for the things, but for God. David knew that his God was with him. Did he not pen in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David knew of the presence of God, but David's heart wanted to be with his people, wanted to be serving his Lord, where the holy place would be set up. 
But unfortunately, David knew he would no longer see even that temple which Solomon would build. David knew where the Lord's immediate presence was. David knew where that felt anointing of God was. David knew where it was. It was heaven there. C.F. Butler wrote the hymn, What matters where on earth we dwell, on mountain top or in the dell, in cottage or in mansion fair, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And I can tell you, friend, when Jesus is in your heart, it is heaven there. And when that felt tangible presence, the moving and the stirring of the Spirit of God is in your life, it is heaven there. All things may be going mad around you and circumstances may be covering you and things may be having your head in a spin and your heart in your boots. But when Christ is there, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. It's been the theme of the saints throughout all of time and history. For example, it was heaven for Adam as he walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. It was heaven for Abraham as he sat at the door of his tent and feasted with the Lord and talked of the demise of Sodom and Gomorrah. And also he talked of him becoming a father of many nations. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. It was heaven for Jacob as he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. And he said, I will not let thee go till thou bless me. And the angel of the Lord took Jacob and changed his name from Jacob the heel grabber, the supplanter, Jacob the twister, to Israel, a prince and a ruler with God. It was heaven there. That angel of the Lord was a pre-Bethlehem appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was heaven for Joseph when he was sold into Egypt by his brothers, cast into a pit, and then taken into a prison, Oh, he was talked about wrongly by Potiphar's wife. And though in the prison cell, forgotten by those whom he helped, we're told even in that situation, it was heaven there for the Lord was with Joseph. You see where Jesus is, is heaven there. It was heaven for Moses in the backside of the desert when he heard the call of God. And he comes to the burning bush and God says, Moses, take thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. But Lord, it's just sand. It's just a wilderness. It's a desert. And maybe you feel like that sometimes. And the Lord says, it is holy ground. My presence is here. Where Jesus is, is heaven there. It was heaven for Israel as they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and the Egyptians following hard behind them and the waters come in upon the Egyptians 
and drowned the enemies and set free the people of God. It was heaven for Joshua when he met the captain of the Lord's host, the Lord Jesus, in theophany form. And as he saw the walls of Jericho fall down as he praised and the power of God came upon those great city walls. For where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And it was heaven for Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. God shut the lion's mouth so they could not harm him. It was heaven for Daniel when he was in the river Chebar. When he was there, he saw the vision of the glorious man, that man Christ Jesus. Oh, for where Jesus is, his heaven there. It was heaven for the three Hebrew children in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, that fire and furnace that was heated up seven times hotter than usual. That fire that burned with indignation. That fire that burned hotter than ever. And the three Hebrew children cast into it. We're told that as that king looked upon the fire, he says, Lo, did we not throw three men in the fire? But lo, I see four, and the fourth is like unto the Son of God. He is the fourth man in your fire. For where Jesus is, there's heaven there. There's heaven for Nehemiah. Nehemiah went and got a charter from the king to rebuild the walls in the face of his enemies. It was heaven for Hannah who knelt down in the very temple and whispered in prayer and God heard her cry and gave her Samuel asked of God. Oh, did she not say... Thou takest the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes that they may inherit the throne of his glory. You see, Jesus was there. It was heaven for Elijah who was sitting under a juniper tree in the great depression and the angel of the Lord came and baked him a cake and made it possible for him to go on in his journey for where Jesus is, his heaven there. It was heaven for him to see the fire of God come down from heaven and lick up the sacrifice, the altar, and the water. And it was heaven for him to be caught up in a whirlwind into heaven and to be called the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Oh, it was heaven for him. It was heaven for Elisha, for he received a double portion of the Lord's anointing. He sensed the immediate presence of God in his life and even his very bones could cause men to live. It was heaven for Isaiah. For he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. It was heaven for where Jesus is, tis heaven there. It was heaven for Ezekiel. For Ezekiel in his great visions, he exclaims in the midst of it all, while you and I are trying to work out what do these visions mean and we try and argue about them and theologize them and and philosophize them. But here's what Ezekiel said about the visions. He says, I saw visions of God. Jonah was heaven for Jonah. For he was in the belly of hell when he was swallowed by a whale after rebelling against the word of God. He says, out of the belly of hell, cried I, 
And the Lord heard me and saved me, he says. Oh, and that's the cry of every heart. Lord, save me from the belly of hell. For that's where we're bound without Christ, but where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And Jonah was in the belly of hell, and God spoke to the whale, and it was heaven for him to be cast out and given a second chance. It was heaven for Peter and Andrew and James and John as they mended and cast their nets on a beach and saw our Lord Jesus Christ and heard his call. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. It was heaven for Matthew the tax collector sitting at the receipt of custom hated by all the people to be loved enough by Christ to be called to his side and to be his follower. It was heaven for Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree who thought no good thing could come out of Nazareth till he meets Jesus and he realizes, oh, where Jesus is, there's heaven there. It was heaven for Nicodemus, the man who came in the darkness of the night. And in the darkness and blackness of night, he met heaven. And heaven says, you must be born again. It was heaven for the woman at the well who was tired and weary and dry and outcast from the people. And she meets our Lord Jesus Christ at the well for where Jesus is, tis heaven there. She met him. She met heaven when she met Christ. It was heaven for Zacchaeus who was up a tree to hear his name being called by the lovely Son of God. It was heaven for him when he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must abide at thy house this day. And salvation entered the house of Zacchaeus. And where Jesus was, was at his heaven there. Oh friend, where Jesus is in a heart, at his heaven indeed. It was heaven for the multitude who heard our Lord teach his sermon on the mount. And the wonderful words that he taught them. It was heaven for the multitude who saw him Take a little boy's lunch and break it. Five barley loaves and two small fish. And he fed them all. It was heaven for the multitude. For where Jesus is, tis heaven there. They seen heaven standing on a boat. And preaching the word of God to all that would hear him. It was heaven. Heaven for many who our Lord touched with his beautiful healing hand. It was heaven for the people of Jerusalem and Judea. It was heaven for the people of Samaria and Galilee. It was heaven for Nazareth and Cana and Capernaum and Neon. It was heaven for Bethsaida and Bethany and Phoenicia and Magdala. It was heaven for the people of Caesarea Philippi and Perea and of Jericho. It was heaven for the Jordan River. To have heaven enter its muddy, murky waters. And all the muddy, murky waters of our lives becomes heaven when Jesus enters in. For where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And it was heaven in the wilderness. The devil was there, but Jesus was there. He turned the devil's wilderness into heaven. It was heaven. In every valley 
And it was heaven up every mountain where his feet would tread. It was heaven for the widow of Nain who received her dead, lifeless son back again. For she met with Jesus. Out of Nain came death and into Nain was going life. And life overcame death when Christ touched the coffin. And the man sat up and he gave him back to his mother. It was heaven for Jairus and his wife when they received their little daughter back again. It was heaven for Lazarus who was called out of a tomb after four days of rotting in the heat of the day. And he was shouted, Lazarus come forth. And heaven was there because Jesus was there. Oh, his sister says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother not have died. If you'd have been here, Lord, Lazarus would not have died. But heaven entered the very grave itself. By his word he spoke it forth, and out came the dead. Such will be the resurrection of the saints. It was heaven. For where Jesus says, tis heaven there. It was heaven for Mary Magdalene, of whom he cast out seven devils. It was heaven for the demoniac legion. Legion, that man who lived in the caves and broke all fetters and cut himself with stones, crying night and day in torments. He runs down the beach and the seashore, seeing the Christ of God before him. And he falls at his feet and meeting heaven, heaven on earth. We're told that we find the legion, the man filled with a legion of demons, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. Oh, it was heaven for him. It was heaven for the centurion who came seeking help for his servant. I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Christ spoke a word and as Christ spoke the word his servant was healed and oh it was heaven for his servant for he met the Lord Jesus. It was heaven for all whom Christ came in contact with. It was heaven in the upper room as he took bread and break it. Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. It was heaven in that room as he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Oh what heaven to break bread with our master. Someday we will sit at his table and we will feast with him. It was heaven... When they sang a great hymn, the Hallel, praising his father. Talk about a time of worship. Talk about a praise meeting. Talk about a worship session. Sitting with the king of glory as he would sing the anointing, I'm sure was filling the house. And oh, he sang Psalm 113 right through to Psalm 118. And those disciples would have been melted in his presence. It was heaven there. For where Jesus is, there's heaven there. It was heaven in the Garden of Gethsemane. And under that stress and strain, the pressure of our sin and our shame, 
Christ took upon him all that we should have had. We're totally sweat as it were, great drops of blood. It was like hell for him. But it was like heaven in Gethsemane. It was heaven at Caiaphas and Anna's house, the high priest. They couldn't acknowledge it. They couldn't see it. Heaven was before them. It was heaven in Herod's hall. Herod wanted trickery. Herod wanted him to be a performing bear. See where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And yet if you don't show me a sign, I won't believe. And that's what some are like. And heaven is in full view and display for you. And you can't even see it. Such was Herod's palace and his courts. It was heaven in Pilate's judgment hall. When Pilate searched him through and through and found no fault in him and asked the master, tell me, what is truth? Where Jesus was, there was heaven there. It was heaven at the whipping post where they tied my wonderful Savior and lashed his back with that Flagellum of the Roman soldier as they whipped him with 39 stripes upon his back, burying my sin and my shame and my sicknesses and yours. It was heaven there. Heaven was in the midst, but heaven was suffering violence. It was heaven down the Via Dolorosa. The sorrowful way as our Savior struggled to carry the heavy load of his cross. It was heaven going up Golgotha's hill to Calvary's mountain because Jesus was there. It's only a mountain. Oh, he makes it heaven. The tabernacle in the wilderness was a spot of heaven in all of the earth, just there. For God says, I will meet thee there and speak unto thee there. Heaven there. See, friend, if you want to meet God, you have to meet Him there where Jesus is. There's heaven there. You have to meet Him in His Son. It was heaven for one thief who cried, Lord, rememberst thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And it was hell for the other who derided him and turned him away. It was heaven on display for all to see, but not all could see. It was heaven hanging, heaven bleeding, heaven dying, heaven suffering the violence and violent taking it by force. They pierced my hands and my feet. That's why Christ says, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
If you want to meet God, you have to meet him there, right where Jesus is, in Christ alone. The morning breaks to every heart that sees Christ. And faith looks. Faith looks to the morning joy. Faith says, Lord, you're going to bring me through this. Faith says, Lord, you're going to bring me out. Faith says, Lord, you're going to make me strong. Faith says, Lord, you're going to make me brave in my soul. Faith says, Lord, I'm going to make it. Faith says, Lord, you won't let me fall. Faith says, Lord, you won't let me go. For the morning is coming when Christ will break the clouds. And that great morning and that great day, joy will be in the hearts of the redeemed. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Bless his holy name. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Puritan George Swinnock said, Heaven must be in thee before thou canst be in heaven. Heaven must be in thee before thou canst be in heaven. You see, knowing Christ is knowing heaven. And having Christ is having heaven. And possessing Christ is possessing heaven. For where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And I'll tell you something, brother and sister and friend. If Christ be not in heaven, I don't want to be there. I want to be with my Savior. He is all in all to me. Christ is heaven. He is the kingdom of God in personification. And when he comes, we will return with him. We will be glorified and we will rule and reign with him. And heaven is coming to earth. See, every time you pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You know what you're saying, Father? Come in your power and glory. Let your Son come, and may heaven come to earth. So, the Psalm of David is not a Psalm really longing, yearning, or desiring after a house of cedar wood or even a, a greatly built temple. This is a Psalm. Are a song of faith. Lord, you have said it. I believe it, so that will settle it. This is a psalm of faith. David never lived to see the house that Solomon would build, that great edifice, the great temple. This was the temple, the house of God, which Yahweh had forbidden David to build. And Solomon, David's son, would build it according to the word of the Lord and the dimensions he would receive. Exactly as God has said, so the house would be built. Even though David's heart was in the right place, and even though David was to do it with the right motive, God forbid David, as he had a different plan for David's life and a different one for Solomon, his son. And God has a plan for your life. 
And God has a plan for your family's life, your son's life, your daughter's life. God has a plan and it's to prosper them in life and to do them good and not to do them harm. David realized that the word of God must have the preeminence. And he pledged his head to heaven and he bowed his knee before his Lord and he yielded himself to the will of God And he says, Lord, if I'm not to build it, and that's your word, then that settles it. Friend, we must go as God leads us according to his word. We must yield our spirits to him, yield our will to him, according as God would have us to live. And that's what David did. In fact, this song of faith that David is singing this song that is prophetic. David may have been forbidden to build the great house, but this song shows that David wants it to be sung at the dedication of it. And David won't even be there to see it. But the joy, the honor, the privilege was David's to do what? We read in God's word that David would hoard up and David would lay in store that which was needed for his son Solomon to build the work when he came behind him. David got all the materials and set them aside and says, Lord, I'm going to be part of this. I might not build it, but I'm going to leave a legacy. I am going to leave a great inheritance for my son. Here's a question for us as we wrap this up this evening. This is our introduction into this, by the way. Here's a question for us all. What legacy are we leaving behind for our children? What legacy are we leaving behind for our children? Do our children have a legacy of hearing foul language at home or violence at home, alcohol in the home? What legacy are we leaving behind for our children? Are we leaving a legacy where we can take or leave our meetings in the church? Are we leaving a legacy where we don't really care too much for gathering around the word of God? Is that the legacy that we are leaving our families and our homes and our children? Are we not meant to be laying up in store for the kingdom of God that would come? That our children would walk in the ways of the Lord and we were to teach them in such a way? Where is the legacy that our children is learning from fathers and from mothers who couldn't care less about the things of God and take it as a form of religion to to fill a seat on a Sunday morning and nothing else the rest of the week? Is that the legacy our children think for when they grow up, they will think it's all right for me to do it until they don't come at all? What legacy do we leave to our children Sir, if you are always showing anger towards your wife, your son may well turn out to be like that. That's the legacy you'll leave. Or if you lift your hand to your wife, that is the legacy that will be left behind. But if you love your wife and look after your wife and cherish your wife, that's the legacy you will leave behind. Training a child up in the way they should go. Here we have David leaving a legacy he would store up 
for Solomon and the temple. Last question and we close. How faithful to you in the service of the king. What God is calling you to. Don't look at another man's ministry. Or another woman's ministry. And God has placed it in your heart. How faithful are you? See that ministry. Where Jesus says it will be heaven there. Here David in Psalm 30 had a holy faith which foreseen the fulfillment of promise made to him concerning Solomon. Here David's faith, your faith and mine can sing concerning the promises of God like the old poet said, Glory to thee for all the grace I have not tasted yet. In other words, David knew he hadn't tasted it But David knew it was all in front of him. That there's a kingdom coming. A reality of heaven. And he will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, what is wrong with the church is we don't believe our own message anymore. We don't believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun anymore. We don't believe there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets anymore. We don't believe the Bible anymore. Or we live right with passion and love for God. The church has lost its savor. You know why they don't Believe their own message. So the church will live as they like. And do what they want. And take or leave the gospel. The service of the king. And laying up in store. And they look at personalities and say. Well I don't like him. Not coming to hear your man down there. He shouts too much. The church starts looking within instead of reaching without. Do you believe in God? I'm asking the Christian, believe it or not, the believer, so called, do you believe in God? And what is in his place? How long has it been since you went to a prayer meeting or a Bible study? How long has it been from you've come around the Lord's table and worshipped him and remembered his death? How long has it been from you've got into his presence and said, Lord, show me where you want me to lay up in store and to serve you? How long has it been, brother and sister, from the Holy Ghost has stirred your being? How long has it been from you felt that conviction in your heart when you've wronged someone or grieved the Spirit of God? Do we believe what we preach? Then outside of here, do we love it? Do we love it? For if we do believe it, then we have a lot of catching up to do. And living for Christ. Glory to thee 
for all the grace I have not tasted yet. God has so much in store for us. But all our works will be tried in fire. Oh, we may be saved. But all our works will be tried in the fire of God. And we will find some of our life has burnt up as wood and hay and stubble. I wonder how much is going to be precious stones and gold and silver. God has a great plan for you and for me. And as pure Nehemiah Rogers says, Christ's performances outstrip his promises. Christ's performances outstrip his promises. We'll start here next week in the Lord's will. Christian, you know, if we are not living for Christ, if we are not living for him, don't expect the world to be saved. Don't expect the unregenerate to be changed. But when Christ is here, where Jesus is, there's heaven there. We'll look next week in the Lord's will. Faith looks to the morning's joy. David wouldn't see the temple, but he looked to the morning's joy. David wouldn't see the millennium kingdom until Christ returns, but he's waiting and he's looking to the morning's joy in his time. And you and I going through our trials and our tribulations and also looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're waiting. And our faith is looking to the morning's joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning when Christ returns. God bless you, time's flowing. You can hear a pin drop tonight. I think God is speaking to us. God is dealing with hearts. God is moving in our midst. May God bless his word of our hearts. You know, this strikes at home to me first before I preach it to you, so don't think I'm here high and lofty above all others and above all else. God speaks to me first and deals with me first, and I'll be honest with you, he pulls me inside out. Let the word of God pull you inside out and build you back up again. Guy, where are you? Do your way down the back. Well, finish for us, would you please? God bless us. We've been doing a Bible study on Tuesday night. We're in part seven this week on Psalm 138. And we're taking it apart. It's totally taken apart. And some of the things coming out of it have been, well, even myself, uh, uh, you forget a lot and then you learn a lot too. And it's just been a real blessing. The Lord's really blessing the meetings. And I come along at 7.30. And we'll have an our Bible study in the Lord's will. After we get through this psalm, whatever length of time it is, I think we'll call a season of prayer. Folks, see whatever it is that's hindering you, whether it's saved person or unsaved. See whatever it is that's causing you to be lethargic. I told the people this morning, 
The difference between a grave and a rut is a rut where people get themselves in. I'm in a bit of a rut. I can't get out at night. Or I'm in a bit of a rut and I'm not coming to the Bible. So I'm a bit of a rut and I haven't been reading and praying. You know what happens? A rut or a grave is just a rut with the two ends kicked out. A grave is just a rut with the two ends kicked out. And sooner or later you'll come to the end of yourself and you'll be in the grave. Spiritual grave. Ask God to touch you again. And let's get moving for Christ. Gary, please. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His holy Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawn, it's time to sing your song again, whatever Oh, bless the 